Throughout history, Christians have created art, written books, and made music for worship, entertainment, and to express their faith in ever-increasing endeavors. And for the last six decades, they have created contemporary Christian music for the church and for the masses. Here at Legacy, we are counting down the finest works over these last decades. So join me, your host, David Lohman, as we celebrate CCM's greatest albums, right here on Legacy. Welcome once again to Legacy. I'm your host, Dave Lohman, and we have got a Metal Mania show in store for you today. Hopefully you've got your uh, spikes, your bandanas, and your loud guitars ready because we are going to be talking to Rob Rock, one of the greatest heavy metal singers in Christian music as well as in mainstream music. We're also going to be talking about a lot of bands that just so happen to fit into that mold. So do yourself a favor, go ahead, get on your metal gear, and get ready to talk about Christian metal right here on Legacy. Here at Legacy, we want to make it easy for you to find us. There are several different ways that you can talk to us and let us know what you think about what is going on here at the podcast and also on the blog. You can always go to our website at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com. That's LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com or by email at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums at gmail.com. You can always find us on the Facebook and interact with us there at facebook.com slash Legacy CCM's Greatest Albums, at Instagram at Legacy CCM's Greatest Albums, and finally on Twitter at Legacy CCM's Best. Number 902. Kicking off this week's part of the countdown is the band called Drive. Drive was a short-lived band that put out an independent CD on their own and then was signed to Cerebellum, which was part of like Five Minute Walk Records, um, after being seen with uh, eventual label mates uh, Black Eyed Siva at a concert. And right away, I think the people over at Five Minute Walk Cerebellum knew exactly what they had. Drive instincts 
can't see Settle down L.A. was a drag L.A. was the last rock Now it's her In my hair And at my heart And I swear When I feel composed Be amused Make mistakes we all do And it makes me It was unfortunate that the band only did this one national release. It was filled with great jangly pop for uh, fans of like the Wallflowers, uh, or I'd even compare them more to even like Dime Store Profits, which would also be a label made of theirs. But if you like bands like uh, the, the Wallflowers, the singing songwriter, keyboard-driven oriented rock, this is right up your alley. And at 902, that is Drive with Thrifty Mr. Kickstart. Number 901, Mainline Riders Shot in the Dark. Cliff Powell, or Cliffy Huntington, a member of the Huntington's, a tooth-and-nail punk rock band of the 90s and into the 2000s, decided to leave and head into a new direction musically. What happened some five to six years later was the Mainline Riders. For those of you fans of 80s-oriented hard rock and heavy metal, more on the gutter side of rock and roll, you will love every song on this album.
The album harkens back to the 80s-oriented heavy metal, but not the style of music of the big glam and uh, makeup and pretty hair. More of the gutter side of things of bands like L.A. Guns, uh, Guns N' Roses, Hanoi Rocks. That sort of a vibe runs throughout the entire project. would only produce two albums, both of which are phenomenal, and both of which will appear on The Countdown. And at 9.01, that is Mainline Riders and Shot in the Dark. At number 900, Red and End of Silence. Easily one of Christian Music's most popular hard music band of the past two decades, this album is what started it all. Formed by twin brothers playing guitar and bass, Red has gone on to be one of the most successful bands selling and charting all throughout the world. But it is with this first album, where they had about two years to put together, that the songwriting, the musicianship, and the production really shines through.
one of the very best debut albums from any Christian hard music band. This is Red, an end of silence. Book of Revelation, uh-huh. chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. Yes, sir. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore. Preach, preacher. For God shall wipe away yes, sir. every tear from their eyes. Yes, sir. Get ready for the revolution. What you say? Number 899, Kirk Franklin and the New Nation. In the 1970s, Andre Crouch opened up some doors in the wall between the black and the white church. But in the 1990s, Kirk Franklin took a bulldozer to it. his signature black gospel mixed with hip-hop sounds the album contained a hit in fact you'd call it a monster hit called lean on me that would also feature bono of u2 mary j blige and crystal lewis To a friend. 
And at 899, that is Kirk Franklin and New Nation. At 898, the self-titled album from Cutlass. Staring out of blank wall and its whitewashed face Not knowing why I had to choose this way I discern I was wrong in my way Looking for peace in another, another domain I remember early 2000s, I was working for the uh, Fish Radio Station in Southern California, and one of my clients put on the Spirit West Coast. So I went to the event and for the first time got to see Cutlass live. Their album had just come out that um, same July, and I knew right away Brandon Ebel and Tooth and & Nail and BEC Records had something very special. Born out of that post-grunge Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon, the band did a very good job of combining the heavier blues-influenced rock sound with some very strong ballads. Looking down from above As you watch TV Wondering why Oh, you're ignoring me Do you remember Remember when I came to you And you loved me And I'm waiting for you And I'm waiting for you Why do you run? Why do you hide? Oh, don't you know I just Just want to be with you The song tonight was uh, listed as the longest-running single on R&R charts in its history. And at 898, the self-titled album from Cutlass. 
897, Alan Wall, and Invisible Warfare. Jesus music duo Malcolm and Alwyn, Alwyn Wall set out to do solo projects after they disbanded and did this wonderful project with Larry Norman's solid rock label, Invisible Warfare. Much more can and will be said both about Malcolm Wilde and Alwyn Wall. But today we're focusing on this very John Lennon-like Alwyn Wall project, Invisible Warfare. He also did a project under the moniker Alwyn Wall Band, but we'll be discussing that record later. I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, yes, I do. 
And number 897, that is Alan Wall and Invisible Warfare. Number 896, Kenny Marks, Attitude. Throughout the middle of the 1980s, one would be really hard-pressed to turn on Christian radio and not hear a song from Kenny Marks. He consistently wrote great songs that were both radio-friendly and quite often spiritually, emotionally stirring. Several records in a row featured songs about Jeannie and Johnny. These, uh, this couple that met in high school, had a child out of wedlock, got married, divorced. You can follow the struggles of their life throughout the music. Here is the song where we find them introduced to each other. Marks passed away in 2018, but his music still remains true to a lot of both the musical style and to the lyrical content. Some carry guilt, 
And at 896, that's Kenny Marks, Attitude. Number 894, Larry Howard and Sanctified Blues. I used to lament that there was just not enough hard rock in Christian music. There was a lot of metal and alternative, especially in the 80s and into the 90s, but not a lot of hard rock. In hindsight, what we really were lacking is a lot of blues. Larry Howard was not only blessed with an amazing voice, but he was one of the most skilled guitar players playing with everybody in the Christian music industry, like Daryl Mansfield and Glenn Kaiser. Here on this album, he shows it off. handful of really great blues albums that'll be a part of this list, this one is a definitely must-own. And at 894, that is Larry Howard and Sanctified Blues. At number 893, this is Rob Rock and Garden of Chaos. 
truly one of the great heavy metal vocalists in Christian music. He has worked with bands like Joshua, Angelica, and now is uh, currently with Impelitary, which if you haven't heard them, you'll be hearing them on the countdown sometime in the future. But when it comes to heavy metal vocalist, he is one of the best. Rob Rock is among those who I list in the Mount Rushmore of Christian heavy metal vocalist. His styling reminds me at times like Ronnie James Dio. Not stylistically per se, or not even in the same sort of voice, but his ability to scream, but do so on key with, with really great intensity, yet great melody. And that is number 893, Rob Rock's Garden of Chaos. And when we come back, we will be talking to Rob Rock. So hang on. We'll be right back on Legacy. Here at Legacy, we want to make it easy for you to find us. There are several different ways that you can talk to us and let us know what you think about what is going on here at the podcast and also on the blog. You can always go to our website at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com. That's LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com or by email at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums at gmail.com. You can always find us on the Facebook and interact with us there at facebook.com slash legacy ccm's greatest albums at instagram at legacy ccm's greatest albums and finally on twitter at legacy ccm's best
Welcome back to Legacy, and as I promised, I am bringing on Rob Rock, who is the uh, the album we just talked about, The Garden of Chaos, and um, we've got a, a lot of questions because there's a lot of history that you may or may not know about Rob, and we're going to delve a little bit into that and then spend um, quite a bit of time talking about that specific album. So, um, uh, please uh, uh, welcome along with me, Rob Rock, for the first time onto Legacy. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank I am, you for having me. It's nice to be here. I am so so glad. Um, I was uh, talking to to you before we uh, started recording, and I mentioned that the first time I heard your name was Dennis Cameron at a frontline sales conference, saying that he's got this guy named Rob Rock that's going to be singing uh, on the first Angelica album. And of course, uh, you had mentioned that you'd kind of gotten to know Dennis through Ken Tamplin uh, because you both were in Joshua, and that's kind of leading me into. Uh, my first few questions, which is about your history. So kind of give us a little bit of a background. You've, you've probably been one of the few vocalists that I know of that have had um, really no issues weaving themselves in and out of both the Christian music and the mainstream music scene without really, at least from the outside, uh, seeming struggle. So, so where did all this start? Oh, the whole thing started? <laughs> yes. I was back in, yeah. I, I used to live in Massachusetts and Connecticut and um, playing the club scene there is where I grew up and kind of honed my skills. And uh, I was playing in a band called Vice that was doing uh, covers and originals in the clubs. We were playing six, seven nights a week. And um, at one point, uh, I had met up with uh, Chris and Pelletieri, and he was in Vice for about a year. And then he went off to L.A., and then I followed out to L.A. about a year after that when I joined Mars Project Driver, which was turned out to be a Shrapnel Records album with uh, Tony McAlpine on guitar and Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge from you know Ozzy Osbourne's band on, on the rhythm section. Yeah, that was kind of a who's who uh, band with Tony and, and those guys. That's a that's a great lineup. But but technically, what I, there was like a five song demo or something, and that's pretty much all that happened. Uh, with that project, uh, no, no, with the uh, with the Mars Project Driver, that was a full on album. Okay, that uh, that that came out and um, did quite well, actually. But yeah. uh, Rudy and Tommy had moved on to White Snake and and did the tours and videos with White Snake right after we recorded it. So they weren't available after that, and you know the album came out. Did real well, but there was no follow-up, and I ended up going back and recording uh, the Black EP with Chris and Pelletieri. Um, yeah, and, and at that time, he, he was shopping that, and during that time is when I met the uh, Joshua Band. Yeah, when, when it comes to it, I don't know how it is, but you seem to have, I wouldn't say lucked your way into it, but boy, you have worked with some of the, literally the greatest guitar players in the world. Uh, yeah, I've been really lucky. Guitar <laughs> players, I mean... I have a knack for uh, either finding them or them finding me. Some, somehow it happens, and um, I've been very grateful for that. Yeah, because I mean, obviously Joshua, um, amazing. Chris and Pelletari, I, you know, I, I'll, I, there are two of those albums that'll be discussed on this podcast, and hopefully one of these days, crossing my fingers, I could actually get Chris to join me and talk about because I, I think he's amazing. I could listen to him play guitar all day long. Um, Tony McAlpine, um, friends with Ken Tamplin, all you know, working with Dennis Cameron, and even on uh, solo projects, um, uh, you worked with uh, um, some guys from Narnia. 
Yeah, uh, CJ Grimmark and, of course, uh, Roy Z, who also produced my solo albums. He's a great guitar player in himself, and he's, you know, he's known for resurrecting the careers of Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford. Yeah, yeah who? After he did my solo work. <laughs> he, he got... He got into some heavy hitters there and, and has done really well for himself as a producer and guitar player. Yeah, um, I'm a big Narnia fan, so it's kind of interesting. How, so, But I guess I, I, the, the question I got the most from people online when I mentioned we were going to be talking was, was how did you, you know, how, how do you weave yourself in between bands that are blatantly in the Christian market that say Angelica and something like Impelitary that is, that is both in the mainstream but widely accepted within the Christian market? Um, I guess that's God's doing because, you know, like, like I said, the Mars Project Driver was, was pretty secular, you know, the first recording. I mean, and I tried to weave in some, some Christian, uh, double meanings in there on the album, but that was on a, a whole nother trajectory. And after, after that, you know, after Rudy and Tommy left for White Snake, I was, I was pretty down. I was pretty, uh, I was you know, seeking fortune and fame. And I thought that I finally made it, you know, playing with the big hitters. And, uh, I basically got slapped around by God at that point. It was pretty, uh, pretty depressed that it fell apart to be honest. And, and I just said at that point, you know what, I'm singing for the Lord, whatever I do, I have got to stick to my Christian roots and, and just trust the Lord to make it happen if he wants it to happen. And so at that point from then on, I, I always injected Christian lyrics um, which I was going to, I was going to ask about, um, working with Chris and Pelletary, um, the lyrical content for, for anyone in the know seems to, um, have some pretty blatant, uh, Christian overtones and, and, and pretty strong in some, some areas. Is, is that your influence in the lyrical content? Is that also Chris's, uh, motivation? Cause it's never been a band that's been, it's never been within that, what we would generally call the Christian market, whether it was 80s, 90s, or in the 2000s. It's always been seen as a very well-respected mainstream band. Yes, it's, it's not a Christian band, really. It's just, it was, uh, it was Chris and me from the very beginning in our relationship, seeing we played in the clubs back you know, back in the day. It's so open and honest that it's, it's ridiculous. And it's just like, when I had did, you know, when I rejoined Chris out in L.A., I just said, man, I, I, I want to be right with God. I, I want to be able to do, sing about God if I feel like the song, you know, dictates that. And he was like, um, I I want you to just sing and do whatever you want to do, and I'll, uh, I'll back you up on it, you know. Well, and so, it's great, and it seems to have been a, a great partnership because – um, off and on over what, 25 years or so that, um, you guys have worked together, maybe even 30 years. I mean, it, it, it kind of goes back to early demo tapes and, and friendships before then. And then for me, um, I, 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 as, as great as that band is there to me, nothing has, um, matched what came out with nature of the beast and yet lyrically nature of the beast. If I was working in a Christian bookstore and it was 1998, I'd carry that album. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been able to, uh, I don't know. It's, it's been an open door for me. I haven't had resistance, you know what I mean? And, and maybe it becomes, um, relatable to the Japanese label. Cause they were always behind in JVC Victor in Japan. And that's, that's our 
strongest and biggest audience across the world is it's Japan and then Europe and then the United States. So they don't, they weren't, um, against the Christian lyrics and the Christian message. So yeah. And, and it's been, it's honestly, been I've been able to sing whatever I want to sing and whatever the, you know, the song dictates. And even bands like Striper have had really good response in Japan. Um, you know, it, all of their albums always come out in Japan. There's always a special Japanese release version with bonus tracks. I mean, there's always seems to be that general acceptance. So that, that's, that's great to hear. But there's also got to be a part of it, and that's kind of a little bit of my bias, is that if you're really, really good, not just a great band or a great Christian band, but like exceptional, you're probably going to find a way to, to break through some of those barriers that some of the other um, artists haven't been able to do so. But... When the 2000s roll around, there's a little bit of a break, it looks like, leading, reading a bio uh, from um, Impilitary, and you start doing uh, several solo albums, where there's like four or five, I think there's a live album thrown in there as well. Um, yep. and, and the one that we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that I, I just reviewed is, is an album that I just think that um, many people need to grasp onto, which by the way, it's, it's one of the things I was going to um, ask you about, is that your style of metal um, singing is not, um, it's not, how should I say, it, it, it can weave a lot of branches because when I listen to Joshua or to Angelica, that's a pretty straight-ahead pop-oriented metal, um, not necessarily the big hair style, but a little bit more of a great straight-ahead rock sound uh, where the stuff with Chris is definitely that neoclassical, very fast, very driving. Your stuff, to me, sounds even heavier, uh, especially the guitar work on, on this album. I think the guitar work on this album is is staggering. I mean, Garden of Chaos yeah. is just, it's amazing. It's not just the guitar solos. It's the gar guitar tone on all of the rhythms that are going on in that project. Yeah, I think this this whole album... It, my, it was my fourth solo album. It, it really gelled together well. It really came in its own and into its own. You know, Rage of Creation. You know, I did exclusively, basically, with uh, Roy Z, and um, and and a lot of the old uh, Driver songs that we wrote together. The second version of Driver, um, and those songs really came together. And that was all, you know, Rob Rock, Roy Z you know, Butch Carlson on drums. And, um, that album had a lot more of an old school sound to it, but that was, you know, that was real, that was kind of heavy too. But then, you know, as we went into eyes of eternity and then Holy hell got really started getting heavier with, with Bobby Jazarmbek on drums. And then when we got to garden of chaos, uh, Roy Z and I wrote that album together. And then uh, Roy got really busy with Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford. You know, he, he was doing albums with them guys. So he didn't have, wasn't really available to put it, put it all together. And I had begun touring with Rob Rock in Europe with the Nar with a couple guys from the Narnia band, you know, and um, CJ Grimmark wanted to be involved in the production of Garden of Chaos. So a lot of Garden of Chaos is Roy Z. And then, Added to that is C.J. Grimmark. So C.J. Grimmark is playing a lot of a lot of the guitars on that, you know, as well as Roy. Roy Z wrote and did the, the demos with me, and then I got together with the touring band and with C.J. and he helped me produce it into what the album became. And I think the 
the sound of the album with Jacob Hansen on the on the mastering. He really put it together as a, a tight, heavy sounding album. And you know, not that the tracks are heavy anyway, but I'm really happy with the result of that album and the way it all cohesively gelled together. You know, as a unit and as a whole album, I, I think it's really strong. Yeah, as a um, as I reviewed it, I reviewed it um, using the term relentless. Uh, it is just a relentless heavy metal album. It doesn't um, it doesn't slow down. You don't get to take a breath until the last note. Um, and there's it's but it, it it makes for some some great passion. So a lot of people have also thrown this question out. Um, I put a little thing on on the Facebook page asking people, you know, who who's your um, your Christian metal hard rock um, Mount Rushmore, and I listed mine. And um, mine includes you, and it includes uh, Glenn Kaiser, okay. Ken, T- Ken Tamplin, and Les Carlson. Um, wow, those are those are the four that I think are kind of in my in my Mount Rushmore. And I and I I listed you first mainly because of what I had mentioned earlier that ability to move and morph into different styles of metal because a lot of people can't do that. I think there are. Uh, there have been some in the past that have Ronnie James Dio, I think, was one of those people who could move into kind of a of a different genre, especially anything that was blues oriented. I don't know if you ever heard the Kerry Livgren album where he sings Mask of the Great Deceiver. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, just, it, it's an amazing vocal. It's it's an, an incredible vocal. And you were the one in, in within the Christian realm that I thought was the closest to being able to kind of merge what, what Ronnie James Dio did with the the rough scream but as my my best friend used to always say the great thing about Dio is he could scream on key and and that's kind of what he did uh with that big powerful voice out of that small little body that that when I I I met him one time yeah yeah he's he's amazing so um and the reason I put it up there is because I love the diversity because you sound nothing like Ken Tamplin who sounds nothing like Glenn Kaiser, who sounds nothing like Les Carlson. And yet you are able to do stylistically from what I can listen to and what I've listened to over you know, the last 30 years, um, all of those same styles that those other men do as well. Is there something about a particular style that, that draws you into it? Well, over the years, it's really been number one, the song and number two, the guitar player. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I find if I got those two boxes checked, then, um, I'm, I'm usually, uh, I can really relate with the song and I, I really try to sing for what the song dictates, you know, what I hear and feel from the music is usually what I try to kick back in vocally and make it, you know, make it a song, make it all cohesive. So when I'm doing the Joshua song, you're, you know, it's more AOR. It's more um, album orientated rock. It's more, you know, like you said, the pop style, the songwriting on that is, is super melodic. And, um, you know, those songs are just great songs on that album. And when I'm writing other songs and I'm doing my solo songs, I mean, Roy Z is another great songwriter. And his production and songwriting is, was always to make the vocalist uh, shine and they'll sound good too. And then when I get together with, with Chris and Pelletieri, it's like, Chris is like, listen, I'm going to play this. Here's the music. Here, here you got. Now, this is what I'm doing. You do whatever you want to do. So at that point, I'm, uh, 
I'm relating to the music that I'm hearing and then adding my melodies and lyrics over that. So I have to get the vibe from the music, you know, and Chris's vibe, like you said, is that real heavy, a neoclassical fast, you know, blazing solo stuff. So I'm, I'm coming from somewhere from that side of the mountain, you know, in, in trying to make it happen. And so I think whatever music I'm trying to write with and whoever I'm trying to, you know, co-write with that it's important for me to relate with the music, you know, yeah, and and for those that are unfamiliar, if you don't have the Joshua album, I literally I can't recommend it enough. Uh, you know, a band is great when Ken Tamplin in it, is in it, and he's not the lead singer, and he's not the lead guitar player. Um, that's the sign that this band is incredibly talented, um, and it really was. It was a loaded album of phenomenal songs. But but again, that kind of brings me back to that original idea. Of, of you being able then to take whatever that music is and make your, your vocal kind of fit that. Um, and on this album, the one that we're kind of spending a lot of time discussing, uh, it, it really shows because it's not just the lyrical con- or just not the musical content, but there's a lyrical content on the album as well that seems to, um, to, to match that is, are there anything particular uh, from that album that you go, yeah, that's really uh, the, the best way to convey that message uh, that we wanted to get across. Ah, man. You know, Savior's Paul is to me, the blatant message of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? It's just like, you're lost in the world, and until you hear the call of Christ, you'll never be complete. You know, that's what that song's about. And to me, that's for me to be able to sing that in a vein of heavy metal, which I love, which I've always loved. It's always, you know, fired me up. It's been a blessing for me to be able to do that, and then to put the lyrics like that to it, and have the the world accept it as great music. And maybe half the people may not even know what they're hearing, but what they're hearing is, is gospel right there in their face, you know? And so I think that song is really blatant. And there's, there's other songs on that album that are, are the same way, very biblically based, you know, very... Uh, well, yeah, you have Millennial Rain very, very cool. <laughs> and things like that. But I did find it interesting. In fact, it's, I think that it's such a great one-two punch, both musically and lyrically, is Satan's Playground followed by Savior's Call. Um you almost set the the groundwork in Satan's playground for what you're then going to do to those same people in terms of a savior's call. I, to me, just sound they sound so great back to back. Wow, I, I didn't intentionally do that, but I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> you well, know? you know, I think that's what uh, sometimes people like myself we do when we review records. Well. Um, we go, well, what would we do? Oh, that must have been what they did. And they're like, oh, no. Um, I, I, I always thought the, um, the best one was um, uh, U2's Joshua Tree. And yeah. Um, yeah. I always said, this is, this is amazing. It is so perfectly laid out, blah, blah, blah. And then literally they just said, oh, well, we had like a producer's wife just put the songs in the order she liked them. <laughs> and i'm thinking that there was some this this great deep thinking and trying to figure out how you best want to express these amazing messages about the u.s and everything it's like oh no she just liked the she just put them in the order of the song she liked (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, so but but as 
you know, you talk about how you were getting into both the the main, you know, accepted in mainstream and also in the Christian market being a God thing. Well, kind of some of these things, as I talk to artists every single week uh, doing this podcast, um, a lot of God things seem to show up in creation of albums. Um, even just coming together, like I, you always, you know, if if you don't have that tour. Uh, you were talking about taking Rob Rock out and you're in Europe or whatever and you come across and with the Narnia guys and the Narnia guys want to be a part of your album, then you don't have the album that you end up with. Because if he doesn't play the guitar on it, you might not get that same sound you were trying to do. So a lot of these God things seem to happen regularly to people who are making albums um, and they make a, a great impact. The The most often asked question I got though, and I definitely want to get this one in is, Okay, um, Garden of Chaos was 2007. When do we get to hear anything else with the Rob Rock name on it that's not a different band? Is there any works on a solo project that uh, people could be looking forward to? Yeah, yeah, I'm always, I'm always working, but I am a slow worker. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, well, I'm a slow worker when it comes to myself. Other projects, I got to work fast, but... Um, I think, uh, you know, when I was thinking about talking to you today, I was reflecting on, wow, I haven't done a solo album in quite a while. But I think it's because when I started the solo album, I was in the Pelletary. JVC Victor said, hey, you want to do a solo album? And I said to myself, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could do at least like three albums in a live, you know, a live video? Then I'd be done. I'd make the statement I want to make. And, you know, and then I can continue writing with these great guitar players and musicians and i got four solo albums in the live video out from that time in in 2000 and i was satisfied you know i was satisfied with the end result satisfied with the work and i'm i'm so grateful that it that it's standing the test of time you know with people and they're still discovering it so now when i come back do i come back with right up the same alley do i start where uh, garden of chaos left off or do i start fresh from a whole new angle you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just writing songs here, songs there. I got a lot of pieces of songs, you know, and I think maybe I'm hopefully I'll know when the time's right. And when the opportunity comes to be able to put out a new Rob Rock album. Well, I, I, I would, don't know when that is yet, you know. I would definitely be one of those people that would be looking forward to it, along with, you know, I don't even know how familiar you might be, but there are some Christian heavy metal Facebook pages that have 50 and 60,000 members on them. Um, and your name consistently always comes up as, oh yeah, my, by far my favorite vocalist. Um, and it just kind of shows up that people love that style in a genre that over the past 20, 20 years has been dominated by people, um, um, singing as though they had just, you know, swallowed, um, a bunch of thumbtacks and, um, just growling and, uh, screaming to have somebody with that Dio-esque, um, Judas Priest, uh, Iron Maiden sort of vocal that has always been such a great classical uh, heavy metal sound. Um, I think it resonates with people. There's a there's a passion and a melody that comes across that you don't get in, in other styles. And we're going to be talking about other albums over the next several years of yours, including Holy Hell, which is uh, possibly, my I think, my favorite of the four solo projects. Uh, just thought the songs on that album are, are nearly perfect. But the... Um, they have a lot of people that always want 
uh, new music within that genre, which people thought maybe 10 years ago uh, was on life support, now seems to, once again, there's this call for gr- just great heavy metal. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as someone that, yeah. that does that style, but you know, people still have like a loving, longing respect for someone like a Ronnie James Dio or Rob Halford and stuff like that. Of someone who could, you know, couldn't still belt out the vocals um, in, in a particular style. Uh, did have somebody ask me uh, to ask you about um, how I. Are there influences? Were there people when, when either you were a kid or you were getting involved in the music scene, you were trying to find your own voice, but that you found were influential um, stylistically with the way that you sing? Um, yeah. I, you know, I started out as a drummer. And, um, and I, when I grew up, my brother had my older brother had a band, and he, they used to rehearse in the cellar, and they used to do a lot of... Uh, a lot of Beatles and, and a lot of songs with harmonies. So I grew up with, with that. And then when I was playing drums, you know, I wanted to join my brother's band. And he said, oh, you, you can't join my band unless you sing. So I started singing by by copying records and singing the drums and, you know, singing, playing the drums and singing along with it. And uh, that's basically how I was teaching myself. And a lot of that was like the Eagles, and sticks and Kansas and bands like that. Um, later on, when I got into the club scene, you know, it was more of the, of like Boston and, and just all the great late 70, early 80 bands that had harmonies. And, and for me, when I was doing most of my covered days, I was singing, playing the drums and singing backing vocals. So when I finally came out front, um, you know, I was in the hard rock, the heavy metal. I was into the Judas Priest and and all that type style, and that's where I went vocally. So, I think that coming from a, a background of harmonies and, and like the Eagles is probably one of my greatest influences when it comes to the starting out early. But also, that's interesting. You know, James Dio and Foreigner. Foreigner was a huge. Lou Graham. I just love his voice, and, and I love the Foreigner songs. Yeah, I'm a huge Lou Graham fan, and I love he did a, a a solo album. Gosh, probably a decade or so ago. That was he literally created it for the Christian music market, and I have always loved that album. Um, very blatant, and also did some worship stuff, which was just crazy. But um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that that can you know empathize with what you've gone through because. When I listen to your music, the har- you, you said harmonies, and that just made me think about as I was listening to the album Driving Home today, I realized, man, there are a lot of great layered harmonies. So I'm guessing that that is also, along with the powerful lead vocal, is really important for you as, as a vocalist. Yeah, yeah, they're very important for me. I mean, I laid on the tracks, but I've run into situations where uh, the mixing guys are like, man, why don't you just leave it one strong vocal, you know, just leave it one strong vocal. So I, when I'm laying tracks of harmonies, I'm hearing it all pretty much the same volume, but in my mixes, the, the harmonies are tucked in the back and the lead vocal is prominent. And, you know, that's okay. Cause I love Dio and he was like the a lead vocal prominent dude. So I'm not, I'm not worried about that, but I know those harmonies are there. You can hear them. And like you said, you could, you've, you've discovered them as well, but 
I think, uh, you know, the main thing is, is a powerful singing and a powerful delivery on the vocal. All right. Well, I uh, appreciate you joining me, but I, before we leave, um, I did have uh, one request, and that is um, if you could let people know how can they, f- one, find your music, but two, maybe reach out. Um, do you have a, a, a web page that they can go to, a Facebook page, any of that other sort of stuff to find out what you're doing, what you might be working on, uh, learn your hints of maybe something new as we all hint towards you to give us something new someday soon? Um, is there a best way to, to um, hear from you and what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I would say Rob at robrock.com, but right now that site's not up and running. Oh. <laughs> but I'm mostly on, on Facebook. I have like three different Facebook pages. Um, Rob Rock, the voice of melodic metal, uh, Twitter page. So there's, uh, I'm out there online and if you want to hear music or samples of my work, I think if you just go to Amazon and Google that, a lot of stuff comes up or you can yep. go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia has lists of most of the albums I'm on. So. Yeah. In fact, they have the, the full list of everything you worked on, including the Mars and all those other driver, all those, uh, um, the side projects and other projects that you're a part of. Um, but today we, again, thank you for joining me when we could talk about, uh, garden of gas. I'd love the album. Um, in the future, we'll be talking about Holy hell. Hopefully I can, um, we can also get some time, um, to talk to you then about that. And maybe we'll have some new music coming a- as well, but we've been talking with Rob rock, um, for those that are unfamiliar, again, go to the Facebook pages, uh, Google things, find out, listen, and definitely grab a hold of a lot of the uh, the music that's out there for solo albums. There's just a live project. There's uh, the Impelitary projects. There is Joshua, if you can track one down, which I just found a used uh, perfect shape vinyl in a store the other day. Um, and the first Angelica album. This is a lot of times that you can hear the voice of, of Rob Rock And there'll be more from Legacy right after this, so hang on. Here at Legacy, we want to make it easy for you to find us. There are several different ways that you can talk to us and let us know what you think about what is going on here at the podcast and also on the blog. You can always go to our website at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com. That's LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums.com or by email at LegacyCCMsGreatestAlbums at gmail.com. You can always find us on the Facebook 
and interact with us there at facebook.com slash Legacy CCM's Greatest Albums, at Instagram at Legacy CCM's Greatest Albums, and finally on Twitter at Legacy CCM's Best. Thank you once again for joining me on this very special episode of Legacy. Of course, I'd like to thank my very special guest, Rob Rock, who I look forward to having on sometime in the future as we talk about his other albums, and maybe Joshua, maybe Angelica, maybe Impelitary. We'll see. Anyway, thank you to Rob Rock for joining me. Look forward to talking to him again. And thank you for joining me as we continue our countdown. Join me again next week. I'm working on a very special interview that I know you're not going to want to miss. So please, join me again next time when we talk about the best CCM on Legacy.